Welcome to the Genesis Church Podcast. God is good? Amen. You can have a seat this morning. Welcome to Genesis Church. All those on site, welcome all those watching online. We are going to continue to worship. I know that right now uh, they're trying to find seats, and although we have some seats down front for the ushers, uh, it's a little dark down there, so it's hard to see. If you can always just kind of squeeze in and provide any seats on the outside of the aisles, that is an extreme help to those that are still coming in to the service. One of the ways in which we love to worship, and one of the ways I think that is just, uh, it just connects this morning in a neat little detail, is through child dedication. So I'm going to ask the Valdez family, if you would come on up here this morning, if you would give them a hand. Any family or friends you want to bring up, they can come up as well. Come all the way up here. Beautiful Stephen Bronk, come on up here. Uh, Stephen is our student director and our sports and outreach director. Come on, just line up right here. Right here will be perfect. You stay right there, Mama. We'll put you right front and center. Family, come around. Um, let me tell you a cool thing about this family. They've been with us for a long time, all the way back to the elementary school, our very first location. And now because of your location, because of work, they're not able to attend here locally every Sunday, but they watch every Sunday online. And so they still consider Genesis their home. And uh, she said, we want to come bring Liam and have him dedicated here. And so we are getting to do that today with this little man. Hey, dude, I'm sorry. <laughs> Whatever I've already done, I see the look. We're good. We've got some things for you all this morning. we got some flowers for you, Mama. You can take those. We've got a little bag here for Liam, and there is some Genesis swag for this dude, and there's a Bible in there for him, and then most uh, importantly, just for special reasons, is a letter from me to him, letting him know that on this day, he was dedicated to the Lord, and that we began to pray for the day that he would put his faith and trust in Jesus. And as we say, child dedication is not uh, some confirmation of salvation upon our children. It is us really acknowledging what God has given us and that we're supposed to be wise stewards and, re and the responsibility we have as parents. And so we have a few questions that we ask you guys to commit to as you're dedicating him here today because although you're in front of your church and you're in front of family, most importantly, you're making a vow before God. And so if you'll put that first question on the screen, the first question is this. There is a question there. And I wish right now I, I knew it. <laughs> it goes something like this. Let's see if I can remember, all right? Do you stand here today and commit to raise Liam up according to God's word and instructions in your home? If so, say, we do. Do you stand here today to pray for the emotional, for the physical, but most importantly, the spiritual well-being of Liam? If so, say, we do. Do you stand here today committed to give Liam back to the service of God so that he can be all that God intended him to be in this world? If so, say, we do. I'm going to ask you if you would stretch out your hands and you would just let them know right now we're praying over you. This is the Valdez family, that you would begin to lift them up. You would begin to lift them up as parents. You would begin to lift them up as, as a couple. God, we pray today for this family. God, we pray for your protection. We pray for your blessing. We pray for your favor. God, we pray that you would be the center of everything that happens in their home. 
God, every decision they make would be funneled through the biblical truth we find in your word, in your story. God, we pray for this little man today. God, your your word tells us that you knit him together in his mother's womb, that you are breathing life into him because you have a purpose for him on this planet. God, we pray today that this couple would set aside their wishes, their desires, and they would seek your desire for their son because we know that your way is the best way. God, we pray that this man one day would grow up and he would long to know who you are for the day that he puts his faith and trust in you because of what he has seen in his home, through his parents, through his family, Lord God, and for those that are surrounded around him. God, we pray that this little man, Liam, would be a world changer for you. Use him to make an impact in other people's lives, to be an influence for you in this world. God, to fulfill his purpose so that one day he may stand in front of you and hear, well done, thy good and faithful. God, be with this family today in all that they do and all that they say. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate this family? Isn't that great? As they make their way back to their seats, um, man, we just want to say welcome. We just want to say welcome. We're so excited that you are with us this morning, and we're going to continue this never-ending story that we've been in, and I just wanted to highlight a couple things. Um, If you were here last week, you were by yourself, right? So um, I'm not sure, we're not going to take a show of hands who showed up here last week, but if you showed up at East River, man, I'm telling you what, God was in that place, was he not? And I tell you, it was amazing to see um, what God did last week, and so we never take for granted what our volunteers are able to do. And so I just want to say today, thank you so much for all of you that served. We have people that served literally all weekend long last week to turn that high school into a church and then turn it back into a high school. So if you did not serve, would you do me a favor? Would you make some noise for all those that did serve? Let them know that you appreciated them. It was absolutely amazing. We had the opportunity to pray with numerous people that gave their life to Christ. I had people come up to me uh, during that invitation moment, and they said, today's the day. And uh, it was, I I prayed with students, I prayed with adults, I prayed with people that they said, today's the day. And I know many of our pastors and our elders did the same thing. And so uh, just a great, great weekend. And then yesterday, uh, Stephen and his team had a basketball clinic. We had 50 kids at the basketball clinic for Ignite. We had lots of volunteers and coaches. And so if you missed it, man, I encourage you, go to the website. Make sure you know what's going on with our sports and outreach. We got Ignite coming up this summer. Uh, So there's lots of things that you can do, but we just want to celebrate what God is doing in that as well. And then we are gearing up. I told you, I told you before Easter that this season is is a crazy season. And so we're here today. We're here next Sunday. And then we ain't here. May 7th. We are doing church at the beach. And so it is going to be absolutely amazing. This is a kind of a Genesis tradition where we pack up and go. Now, I know some of you, maybe you've come from a church that's done beach baptism before. And so we do do beach baptism. But I want you to know something. We do church before we do that. And so on May 7th, we are doing church at the beach. The whole morning, we'll be there at the beach at Lori Wilson Park. You can get all this information on our website. But today, what we want to highlight is this. We do uh, amazing service there. We go do beach baptism. And then one of the cool things that we do is we actually do food for everybody that comes. And so normally we have a, a couple guys that grill out, and, and they do a phenomenal job. They're, they're, they're there all day. They grill. 
They grill, they grill, they grill. While we're doing church, they're grilling. While we're baptizing, they're grilling. So they're just doing all of that. And so because our number has grown so much, what we're doing this year is we're doing something a little different. We're going to do food stations. And so we're going to have six different food stations that are set up around Lori Wilson Park. And we are going to provide everything. All we are asking some of you to provide is a grill and your flipping power. That's what we're asking you to provide. And so if you are interested in that, we have five left. We already had one person sign up. We have five food stations left. You can scan the QR code on the screen, or when you walk out, there's going to be a sign that somebody's holding out there that you can scan. It'll give you all the details about what you can do. But we're going to make it really easy for you. But instead of having one long line with four or 500 people in it, what we're going to do is we're going to have six different stations where you can go, you can get your food. Burgers and dogs are going to be absolutely amazing, but we don't want to miss it. Can I pray for us this morning? And then we're going to hear from Pastor Tim. Dear God, Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for worship. God, we thank you for just a child dedication. And God, what that means to us as a church. God, what that means to this family. And God, we thank you for what happened last weekend. God, we thank you that you were in that place. And God, we know that you're here today. And so God, as we continue in this journey, this never-ending story, God, may we leave different than we showed up a few moments ago. In Jesus' name. Good morning. Good morning. I just thought I'd watch TV this morning instead of actually preach to you. They actually pulled the cord out, so I told them I got this. I, I want to take a moment today and uh, echo what Chad said just a moment ago. Last week was just amazing, and part of what was taking place on that campus was because we have a church full of people that want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so, as we always say here, one of the DNA statements of this church is that we do not gauge success by the amount of people in seats. We gauge success by the amount of people on mission. And this church is continuing. Let me, uh, let me get this set so it doesn't distract everybody. We good? We, we, we want everybody to keep that perspective. That is what it is about. And so as we continue to grow, people are saying, like, how, how is Genesis growing so rapidly at the, the pace in which it's growing? And, and I tell people, that's great. We're growing in number. We're growing by the amount of people that watch online every week. We had more people watch online at Easter last Sunday live, not just more people attend than ever before. Uh, we've got more people joining groups and on teams than ever before. We got people every week downloading the podcast and listening to it. That's all great. But what really gets us excited are two things that are happening at the core of who we are, and that is people are being the hands and feet of Jesus. They're, they're serving. To see people in the 815 service, and the reason that some of them are there is because they gave their seat up so some of you could be here. It's that type of thinking that gets us excited. And the other thing I tell them is this. It's just God's word. I don't have anything else to add to that. When you open up God's word, it draws people to it. 
It has the power to do that. And that is why we are in this story, because it allows us to fulfill our purpose. Our purpose is to rethink life the way God intended. That is why this church exists. And there is no way you can rethink the the, the way that God intends for your life and your marriage and your career, whatever it is that is in front of you, unless you are looking at God's word to see how he intended things to be. And so this morning, we're going to continue in what we are calling the never-ending story. What we don't cover here, we'll go into the podcast this week. Once again, we always encourage you, take time out this week on Spotify and iTunes so that we can take you further into the story. We can help teach you more about God's word that we don't have the time in our gathering here today. Last week, we ended and the Passover had taken place. God was bringing the nation of Israel out of Egypt. And he was telling them at the end of it, I'm the one who brought you out. Don't forget that. And so as we enter into today, we're going to be into chapter 13, 14, and 15. In your app, in your notes, in your guide, if you're taking notes, you'll get new inserts next week to continue your journey and your journal with us as we adventure through God's word. But at the beginning of chapter 13, there's something significant I want you to see. This is how the chapter begins. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. That, that's what the whole story's been about. That's what we talked about last week. That's how it began. A cry came up from Egypt. Yes, they were oppressed in slavery, but also Pharaoh was killing all the firstborn male children of the Hebrew people. It's how God comes back and tells Pharaoh, you don't let my people go. I'm going to kill all the firstborn. Okay, And so there's this, there's this language in the scriptures reminding us of who we are, and God is creating his family that he's going to take into the promised land. And so the very first thing he says to Moses, tell Israel, consecrate for me all the firstborn. Think about that for just a moment. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both a man and a beast, is mine. You've been a slave for years for generations. You've been been under someone else's authority and dictatorship. He's been trying to kill your firstborn baby males. And God says, take the firstborn, set them apart for me because they're mine. Think about what would have been going through their head. We haven't lived this way. We haven't thought this way. This God is already doing something different. He's reminding them, I'm the creator. They all belong to me. When we just did child dedications, we've got some in the next service. What I, what I want you to understand and what I want you to always rethink is that when you give your children to God, you are not giving to God part of what is yours. You are actually acknowledging before God all that is already his. We don't come before God and go, hey, God, guess what? I've got a gift for you. I'm going to give you my child, some of them, some of it. Because I want to do what I want to do with them. But I'll I'll give you part of them as a gift to you. What you're acknowledging is that God gave you your child as a blessing and a gift. And I'm responsible to steward that child and to raise them up. There's a purpose in God's story that he wants you to see. There's a purpose in why he said consecrate them, set them apart. Then he gives them the instructions. He says, for the rest of your lives, I want you to celebrate the Passover. And I want you to remember this. And I want you to have a festival. And I want you to partake in this. And then he says, this is the reason why I'm giving you this instruction. Chapter 13, verse 14. 
And when the time comes and your son or your daughter or your children, they ask you, what does this mean? Why are we learning and telling the story of Egypt and Pharaoh and these people that were long before us, that came long ago, that have nothing to do with me any longer? It's because you're to tell them, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. He says, you're to tell them all the time. You are to always, always, always tell them who your God is and what he has done. It is your responsibility. It is your role. It is your God-given duty to speak God into your home and to your family. And, and, and you have to begin to evaluate and think, is the world's message stronger in my family and in my home than God's message? Because if you just stick them out in the world all week long, it is countercultural to God's story. Therefore, if they take that in all the time, and in your home there is no telling, there is no speaking, there is no remembering, there is no joy about who God is in your life, you, you will sit back and wonder why your kids don't want to follow your God, why they don't want to come to church, why they don't want anything to do with this faith. There will be problems in your home when the world's message drowns out God's message. You have to stand against it. Exodus chapter 13, verse 17, listen to what takes place. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, let the people change their, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God has got this moment in his story where he says, listen, I know the way they want to go out of Egypt, but I've got a different way. As a matter of fact, I'll show you on this map this is the easiest route from Egypt to the Red Sea. Now, it says Reed Sea, and people have already been asking, is that a typo? That's not a typo. Beginning, depending on the translation, depending on history, many of them call the Red Sea the Sea of Reeds. So it can be Reed Sea, it can be Red Sea. That's not the point. The point is this. This is the easiest path. Look at the path that God decided he would take them on. He said, I'm going to take you down here, around here, up here, and eventually to here. Why? Because I know some things you don't know. And I see some things you don't see. I know that there's war in the land of the Philistines. And I know if you see that military conflict, you're going to begin to doubt in your heart. So I'm going to take you a different way than the way you want to go. Isn't this how most of us live our life? God, I need you to hear me, I need you to answer me, and I need you to get me to where I need to go, and I need you to get me from here to here. And if you take me here, God, and you do all this in my life, we've got a whole different conversation we're going to be having. Because I don't have the patience for that, I, I don't have the time for that, I don't have, I don't have I'm going to get frustrated because I live in a self-gratification culture. I mean, think about it. We get on a plane. I did it just a few months ago to Germany. An international plane over the waters. Planes going 300 miles per hour, and they tell me I can get Wi-Fi. Over the ocean, flying as fast as we can across the ocean to a different country, and we're getting frustrated because we can't get signal fast enough. Why do we do that? Because we believe everything should happen immediately. 
And our children believe, oh, it should happen the moment we say it. God, if you're going to take me from point A to point B, then you better take me the fastest path possible. And God's saying, hold on a second. Let me tell you something. I care way more about spiritually shaping you than helping you arrive at your desired destination. This is my story, not your story. And I see things, and I know things. I see things around the corner you can't see yet. So I need you to trust me step by step, moment by moment. Around each mountain, around each stone, everywhere you go, I need you to trust me. And I'm going to teach you to trust me. Because I alone am God. And it tells us in verse 20, and they moved from Sukkot and Kent at Ethan on the edge of the wilderness. Underline that, circle that, highlight that, write that in your notes, in your journal, if you're taking uh, notes with us. The edge of the wilderness was simply a metaphor for the edge of the unknown. How many of you right now on site, how many of you watching online right now, that's where you stand? You literally stand at the edge of the unknown. You're at the edge of the wilderness. God has taken you out to this moment, and you have no idea why. Why am I here? Because here, I'm lonely. Here, I'm doubtful. Here, I'm facing some fears. Here, I'm battling insecurities. God, you've got me at the edge of the wilderness, and I am in a place of confusion. And yet God's saying, but what story are you going to choose? Are you going to trust me that I know where I'm taking you? Or are you going to decide to try to write your own story? Are you going to believe in my power and my strength? Or are you going to start to try to determine it and dictate it by your power and your strength? And some of you are standing at the edge of your wilderness Wondering what the next step is, wondering when the next door is going to open, wondering if God is going to come through. And he's telling you, listen, I need you to stay as close as you can to me. Stay as close as you can to me and just trust me. Just trust me. Don't try to do this alone. But you can't have it both ways. You can't say, God, I need you to get me to my desired destination. Meanwhile, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Hey, God, I need you to really help me get to this outcome, but I'm going to take my own path in this journey without you. I'm going to disregard your story. I'm going to disregard your provision. I'm going to disregard your direction. I'm going to take my own. And it doesn't happen that way. You cannot have it both ways. And there are a lot of people that come in all the time and they're like, I, I just, I wonder why God hasn't got me there. Then they start telling me what they're doing in their life, how they're not walking with God, how they're, they're spending their time in this environment or with this person in this place and this relationship. And I'm like, I can see it. You just can't. There's a reason why you're not where you want to be. So it tells us, God said, okay, I know it's going to stir up in your mind. I know it's going to stir up in your heart. Verse 21, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Imagine for just a moment, God has already done all that he's done in Egypt, all the plagues, all the signs, and he knows that 
for some reason, still inside of people is this, is this, this reality that we will quickly distrust God because we believe our way is better than his way. This is okay. So I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up in a pillar, two pillars, a cloud by day and one a fire by night. I've got, I've got a, a, a friend I'm associated with on, on social media that's been doing biblical graphics. And he did some about this. And I was like, hey, can I get those? Because I look at it and I go, that's incredible. Because my mind can't fathom what it would be like, right? What would it have been like to be coming out of Egypt and God say, okay, you want to know that I'm here? Watch this. And a cloud just descend in front of you and start to move and guide you. What would it have been like at night for that cloud to illuminate and look like it's burning and just guide your way? And God is all the while reminding them, listen, I'm with you. You don't have to know how to get to the destination. You don't have to worry about how you're going to get there. You just have to follow me. I'll lead you the whole way. You just follow me. But I will tell you this. In all the years of being a pastor, in all the years of doing ministry, of all the years of counseling with people, when you stop following God, you end up at the wrong destination. But where's God? Why hasn't God answered my prayer? Because you're not following him. And even if you're following him, you don't get your way. You have to trust his destination for your life. And there are a bunch of people that are not following God and then blaming God for where they are. And I will tell you this, and I'm just, I'm going to speak honest and transparent. This is not guilt. This is not about church attendance. This is not, I will tell you, for many people, their first step out the doors of their church is their first step away from God. And then it snowballs from there. You know why? Because you isolate yourself from the body of Christ. I don't need church. I don't need those people. I can do this on my own. It's unbiblical. It's not the way that God created the body of Christ to work. You don't get to come into a setting like this and gather and worship and learn and discover and grow. And so every time you take a step away from God, you are taking a step in the wrong direction. No matter if it's one small step or one giant step. God was telling the nation of Israel, come, just follow me. He tells them later, he says, go and camp by the sea. Go and camp by the sea. And then it tells us this. For Pharaoh will say, of all the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land, the wilderness, and it has shut them in. So Pharaoh thinks they're trapped, okay? And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, and the Egyptians shall know, this is the purpose right here, right? That I am the Lord. This is the purpose of his whole story. This is the purpose of everything we will read. This is the purpose of everything you will learn. This is the purpose of everything you will ever know about God. It is for you to know that he alone is Lord your God. He wanted Pharaoh, the Egyptians, the Israelites, Moses and Aaron. He says, tell your sons, your daughters, your children for generations and generations. I want a church in East Orlando in 2023 to know I alone am Lord their God. There is no other. Now, when I read this, when I read this, because sometimes you can just read through the Bible and you read through it with such seriousness that you miss some nuances. Like when you read this, you have to look at it and go, this man right here, Pharaoh, 
who's getting ready to pursue them. He's the greatest idiot to ever live on the planet. He couldn't be more stupid. He is a moron. What just happened in Egypt? There were 10 different plagues. God struck down the firstborn children in Egypt. And this man is so ignorant and so angry and his heart is so hard and he's so prideful and he thinks he has so much power that he is still willing to pursue these people. You couldn't get dumber. You just couldn't. His anger overtakes his logic. I mean, how stupid could you get to let your anger overtake your logic? But maybe yours does. Your anger, your bitterness, your jealousy. And often you find yourself saying things and doing things you wish you never had said or done because your anger swelled up and your pride and stubbornness was so strong. And you thought, I don't care about the ramifications. I don't care about the end result. And this moment, I am going to say what I want to say and I'm going to do what I want to do. And many times... Our own anger overcomes our logic and our wisdom. It tells us in verse 10, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And look at their response. They feared greatly. Here is God. He's done all these miraculous things. He has shown up in a cloud in the day, fire at night. He's encamped with them, and they are fearful of Pharaoh and his army. The people of Israel cried out to them, to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? They are not but three days away. And they are already saying, Why did you bring us here? The same people that were crying for God to rescue them within three days of ten miraculous plagues, are asking and questioning, why are we here? Can you imagine Moses and Aaron being like, what is wrong with these people? Like, seriously. They, they, they can't be grateful. They can't be thankful. They can't see a blessing. They can't see God's provision. They can't see God at work. Now they're just complaining about their current circumstance all over again. And how many times has God worked in your life and done something and then you have quickly forgotten it because right now you're complaining, whining, frustrating, doubting, questioning, walking away from God because you don't know if God is going to show up and do what God always does. Can't imagine these people saying, why did you bring us out of Egypt? And so Moses said to the people, fear not. Fear not, he said. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. Listen to the words of Moses. Fear not. This is what God wants you to know. Stand firm. See the salvation of God. He said, listen, God is wanting you to know in his story that when he tells you don't have any fear, it's because I will be with you. Don't be afraid of anything, for God is with you. Stand firm. Why, why do I need to stand firm, Tim? Because God's going to fight for you. 
This is what he wants you to know. This is what he wants you to receive. This is what he wants you to start to trust and live in. He says, fear not, stand firm, and see his salvation, for he will deliver you. Fear not, stand firm, see his salvation, he will deliver you. Some of you today, this is what you need to hear from God. Whatever your circumstances, single mother, fear not. God is with you. Stand firm. Stand firm with him. He's going to fight for you. Keep doing what you're doing faithfully. You will see his salvation. He's going to deliver you. For the dad who's wondering, how am I financially going to keep providing for my home? Fear not, for God is with you. Stand firm. He will fight for you. See his salvation. He will deliver you. For the student who's wondering, what is my future? What is my identity? Why do I belong on this planet? Fear not, for God is with you. Stand firm. He will fight for you. See his salvation because he promises to deliver you. Listen, for some of you today, you want to hear that, but God does say there's a catch in it. There's just a little nuance. Here's the key to all of it. Be silent. God, I love coming to church and hearing that you're going to fight for me. And I love coming to church and hearing you're going to be my salvation and my provision you're going to be with me. But I can't be silent. Are you telling me to be quiet, God? Are you, are you telling me that that's, that's the goal? It's as if God is saying, yeah, stop talking. Stop talking. Stop complaining. Stop whining. Stop doubting. For some of you, stop gossiping. Stop slandering. Stop lying. Stop processing all of it, all the time, however you want. It's as if God is saying, stop adding. I'm the narrator. I speak things into existence. You need to learn. You need to understand that the greatest learners are the greatest listeners. And you can't listen when you're out talking to me. So be silent. Let me take this. I've got this. I will fight for you. I will be with you. I will deliver you. But you need to let me do my work because my work is far better than your work. Now, being silent, standing firm, doesn't mean run away or sit down or stop moving. In the very next verse, God says, tell the people of Israel, go forward. Hey, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to bring salvation to you. I don't need you to say anything. I just need you to keep going. Keep going forward in faith. Keep going forward in trust. Keep going forward and believing and knowing that I am the God who I claim to be. It says, then an angel of God who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them, verse 19. And the pillar of the cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was a cloud of darkness and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night long. My God is an amazing God. They are encamped at a sea. They are looking behind them at Pharaoh and his army coming after them. There's a cloud in front of them, and God says, watch this. 
and he moves it behind them. And he places it between them and Egypt. And it says it stayed there all night. And Pharaoh and his army couldn't get to Israel because God was in their way. He said, I will not just tell you it. I will show it to you. And some of you need to know that this is the God who told Moses, I'm going to give you my name. I didn't do that to Abraham. I didn't do that to Isaac. I didn't do that to Jacob. They knew who I am. They knew my power, my might. They had a name for me, but I didn't give them my name, Yahweh, the great I am. I gave it to you when I spoke to you out of that bush. I gave you that name because I wanted you to know that I am who I need to be. I am whatever I need to be. I am wherever I want to be. I am all things at all times for my story and for my glory. And this cloud that shows up, these two pillars, it's as if he's saying, I am present in this cloud. By the way, I'm your guide when I stay in front of you, and I am your protection when I go behind you. I am whatever and wherever I need to be. We sing a song in here, Waymaker. And whenever Helen, who's singing this morning, she, this is her spot right here. This is, this is her, her circle that she gets to just do her thing in right here, right? And so whenever she gets to this part, I've been telling her for like the last two years, she just, I can see it, like it builds in her, this joy for God out of her story. And she gets to this part, and she starts getting her hand, and she's doing this, and I can tell, here she goes. She's all wound up today for Jesus. And everybody else, just get with it and get into it, because here she goes. That joy's coming, and she's like, he's behind you, he's beside you, he's in front of you, he's all around you, and she's singing this. And whenever I hear that, and I, and I think about this passage of Scripture, I think about how true that is. I am where I want to be. I want to be in front of you as your guide. I'll be your guide. If I want to be behind you as your protection, I'll